Dose of Leadership Podcast, episode 283. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the show. Richard Ryerson here. Thank you for tuning into the show. Episode 283 today. Hard to believe that we're approaching 300. I'm excited about this conversation, sharing this conversation with you. It was with... um, a woman named Rachel Cook. She's the founder of an organization called Lead Above Noise. And I absolutely love what she stands for, what she believes in, her philosophy on leadership. I mean, she truly gets it. Her professional experience has spanned uh, working with Fortune 100 companies, organizations, three-person startups, a whole bunch of organizations in between. She comes from a human resources background. Client management and operations leadership is her forte as well. And her breadth and diversity of experience really has enabled her uh, to create this highly informed perspective on how businesses are run from the inside out. And it really shows in this conversation. I mean, she truly gets it. She believes at her core that great organizations are grounded in great leadership. Absolutely. That's that's a, a given here on Toast of Leadership, but she absolutely believes it and she loves working with uh, and partnering with organizations that believe that too. And she's specializes in helping those organizations look for simple tools and strategies that will allow them to kind of deliver this culture of leadership that is so needed. She has, she's passionate about this thing in, uh, called super candor. And I love that. And if you heard me talk about authenticity and transparency on this show, that really is, I think, the two primary currencies to be a leader in today's world, transparency and authenticity. And what Rachel calls it is super candor. I mean, how do we create this organization where we we ourselves as leaders are authentic, are transparent, we are candid in everything that we do? And also on the flip side, how do we as key stakeholders in the organization, how do we have the courage and the bravery to be candid and maybe in some situations where it doesn't seem like we can be, right? So we kind of hit both of, both of those sides uh, of, of the coin when it comes to authenticity, transparency, or as Rachel calls it, super candor. And uh, it's just a fun conversation. You're going to get a lot of leadership nuggets out of this. Um, we'll talk about a lot of the themes you've heard me talk about here in the show, but I just love Rachel. I can't emphasize enough. You're going to love this conversation. Rachel was nice enough, too, to uh, create a special URL for all listeners I'll have a link to this on the post uh, on the website, doseofleadership.com. But you can go to Lead Above Noise. That's again, leadabovenoise.com slash dose. And she's got a special handout. And it's chock full of, 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 there's nothing salesy about it. It's just full of quality content. And it talks about this idea of authenticity and transparency and super candor and how we as leaders can apply it in our everyday lives, and also how we can, uh, both as leaders and as and as key stakeholders in the organization. So again, great value in today's episode on Dose of Leadership. 
Guys, I hope you're finding some value in this show. I love hearing from the fans. I got a great email from Stuart Jeffs. Stuart, thank you for that wonderful email that I got last night. I appreciate that you've been listening to the show for 10 months and you're using this show as a stepping stone to start some conversations with your management team and the people that you're accountable for. I love that. That makes my day. That's exactly why I do this show. Dose of Leadership is a great free resource for anybody to start the conversation on leadership. And I, and I hear from people just like Stuart all the time. And I want to hear from you. Let me know where you're at in your journey. I love hearing those stories. It gives me the fuel, gives me the energy to keep making the show even better. Let me know what you think about the show. Reach out to me at doseofleadership.com. You can find the contact information there. You can also go to richardryerson.com where you can learn more about my speaking, my coaching, that's one-on-one and group coaching and my masterminding. Um, and other ways that we can connect and help, and I can help you in your leadership journey as well. And again, you can reach out there and contact me on the contact page there, or you can just send me an email, Richard Ryerson at doseofleadership.com. I'm sorry, Richard at doseofleadership.com. And uh, I will certainly answer every email. If it doesn't get to you right away, it's because I'm busy, but I will answer. I promise I answer every email personally. All right, again, thank you for being a fan of the show. Hopefully you're downloading this to your mobile device and you're rating and reviewing it, helping the visibility of the Dose of Leadership show. And again, thank you for your support. And here she is, Rachel Cook, my conversation with Rachel Cook from Lead Above Noise on Dose of Leadership. Rachel, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Welcome to Dose of Leadership. Thank you so much, Richard. I'm really honored to be here. Well, you know, something really struck with me when when, um, I came across uh, what you do. And one thing that really struck out about you and what you believe in is this sense of uh, authenticity or candor, if you will. And candor was the word that struck out. I haven't really seen anybody talk about that in terms of leadership. I mean, I I get it and I talk about it in terms of authenticity, but I love that word candor. How did you come up with this? uh, Why is that really your niche? So the reason that I talk about candor and and I actually call it super candor and yes. the reason that I call it that is that you know in the work with I, the work that I do I work with organizations that really believe that they have extended an invitation for candor because they put out an employee survey once a year or they have their leaders going through uh, you know, a 360 assessment, and they think that they're inviting employees to participate, and therefore they have candor. And the reality, from my perspective, is that those sorts of invitations to employees do not feel authentic, yeah. and they therefore don't yield real candor. And I think without candor, no organization and no leader can ever really understand the reality that they're working with. Uh, it's so true. I mean, how many times have we done these employee surveys, these Hayes survey, and they say the same thing every year? And I think you're right at the top level. And I've been inside those rooms where we get those survey results back. And we're happy because we felt like we've got some, as you say, candor, but we don't really do anything with it. And you're right. It's almost like these these surveys have come, <clears throat> they become these vehicles of... Um, what, what's the word I'm looking for? They're almost like they've almost become a joke. And, and is that am I going too far with that? Sadly, and maybe a little bit cynically, no, I don't think you are. Because, you know, in my experience, I find one of two things tends to happen. Either employees don't trust the the guarantee of anonymity, and so they opt out. Right. Um, or they go the other way and they sort of unleash everything. It turns into this horrible list of complaints because frankly, they're only invited once a year to share their insights. And I think 
What's so interesting to me is the fact that there is this need to guarantee anonymity. To me, that speaks already to an organization's perspective on candor because real candor, the type that I talk about is about opportunity finding and it's about problem solving. And if that's the conversation you're having, there shouldn't be a need for a guarantee of anonymity. I love that. That is great insight. I've never thought about that until just now, but you're absolutely right that the fact that, hey, this is anonymous, that already speaks to the the degree of level of mistrust that we can't have this open dialogue. And you're absolutely right. Nothing makes me happier as a leader if someone tells me, hey, look, Rich, you're about to do something stupid with respect. I mean, that makes me happy because that you know, okay, tell me, talk to me about it. Why, why, why are we doing this? If, if you can create this culture where it's not their right to challenge you, it's your, it's their obligation. That's what we're striving for, right? That is exactly what it is. It is not just their right. It is an imperative. And I think, you know, what we've done over the years, when I look at organizations, leaders, are really busy, right? They have a ton of stuff on their plate. They're juggling way too many balls in the air. And whether explicitly or implicitly, the message that they've sent to their teams is, I'm really busy. I need you to just deal with it, right? If something's broken, please go figure out how to fix it. If something isn't working properly, you can power through. And at the end of the day, what we've done is we've sort of rewarded the people who have become heroes because they don't complain and they will Mm -hmm. find a workaround and they will find a way to get it done. And the reality is our business is never going to improve when that is the type of behavior that we are rewarding. And I think what the message that leaders need to be sending is those are not our heroes anymore. We're not looking for you to just work around what's broken. We're looking for you to be brave and courageous and raise it, raise it so that we know that it's a problem and then participate in finding the solution so we can actually grow our business, be more efficient and be more effective. Yeah, we don't use those. We don't promote bravery and and, um, being courageous in the business setting. Those are words that never get bandied around the the corporate setting, at least in my experience, it hasn't. But those are the words, that's the mentality that we need to promote because that having the courage, courage, both as a leader and both as a, a key stakeholder in the organization to be transparent, which is what you're driving, is what's going to give you all that um, um, power to create uh, an organization that just can't be stopped. I mean, that's, there's so much power in transparency, I guess, is what, what I'm trying to say. I couldn't agree more. And I would say it, it takes bravery on both sides, yeah, right? It for takes sure. bravery on the part of the person who's willing to raise the issue and just as much bravery on the part of the leader or the peer or whomever it is, who's willing to really hear it in a place that's not defensive, but that's really able to process it and think about how can I take this nugget and really use it to make improvements in my business. Yeah, it's tough to receive honest feedback, but uh, the way I, uh, when I would have... Well, to remind myself of, of that, it's kind of like you want your spouse to tell you if you've got bad breath or your, your fly's <laughs> undone, right? I mean, and, and they, they tell you that in a place of love. They don't tell you in a place of trying to embarrass you. They're telling you because they're concerned. So that's the kind of the mentality that you want from your folks. Please don't let me crash into the mountain. Please don't let me go out there with bad breath. Please don't let me go out there with my fly undone. Right. I mean, I think we understand it is that, that. Yeah. it is the corporate spinach on your teeth. You don't want that left there. <laughs> right. That's right. I love that corporate spinach on the teeth. So true. So, OK, I think everybody can understand that. We, yeah. OK, I want to, to be there. And if I was a leader of an organization or of a leader of a team or a leader of my family, I want people to approach me. And we talk about the open door policy and all those things. And the open door policies almost become like the uh, corporate, the annual survey. Right. I mean, it it sounds good, but no one ever really sees it through on both ends. 
So how do we get there? How do you get to that point where you can get people to speak up and not be afraid? I mean, I, I, I can give you my uh, synopsis of this of being a pilot because this is critical. It's like, how do you get people to speak up, you know, regardless of the personality type that you're dealing with? Because I see, particularly when you're dealing with CEOs or you're dealing with type A personalities or people who are, you know, let's just make things happen. There's there's an inability if you've got a strong personality not to speak up because you don't want to be wrong. You don't want to be embarrassed. So how as leaders, so there's two parts to the question. As a leader, how do we invite that candor? And then secondly, if I'm the key stakeholder, how do I become candid? So I love that question. And I love that you brought up the fact that you're a pilot, because I think one of the challenges we face in the corporate world is that we are not generally looking at life and death situations, right? right? When you're thinking about somebody who's a pilot, if somebody sees a problem and doesn't raise it, there could literally be fatalities on your hands. And that's obviously it's very real and that's very powerful. You think about the corporate world and oftentimes that's not the case. And so it's almost harder to create that imperative because if people aren't candid, people generally aren't going to die and your business generally isn't going to fail. And it's really about optimizing versus saving lives. So, you know, you asked two questions. So how do, how do leaders invite the candor? How do they really start to open the floodgates? And then how do people start to embrace that invitation? And what I would say is when I, when I work with organizations and I work with leaders who I've managed to convince that there is an imperative to really get to this place of candor, the things that I talk about with these leaders are, you know, first and foremost, it is making that case to your teams. It is not simply saying, hey guys, I'm, I'm ready for candor, so give me your feedback, because right. that's what a lot of us do, right? And people don't take it seriously. I think first and foremost, it is incumbent upon the leader to really lay out the case to say, we are trying to do something different. We are trying to have a bigger impact on our customers. We're trying to really innovate. And in order to do that, you absolutely need to take a seat at the table. I am not just giving you permission to be honest and give me your feedback on where the opportunities are and where ideas are getting hindered. It's not just an invitation. It is imperative. It is absolutely part of your job because here's what it means to our business. So it's really kind of making the case. Um, the next important thing leaders can do is really make it a genuine conversation. You know, we talked about earlier, an annual employee survey isn't going to get it done. Right. It's real face-to-face -face regular dialogue. It's role modeling the behavior. I think it's incredibly important that if, if leaders want to see candor, they need to show it. Employees need to see what it looks like. They need to see that it's safe and they need to see a template for it. Um, and then I also think it's really important to be thoughtful with how do we how do we talk about it? How do we reward it? You know, in organizations, we so often are rewarding the people who have worked on the product that really hit in the market, right? We, we reward outcomes and outcomes are great and they're important, but we also need to reward behaviors, mm. right? We see somebody really being brave and opening up to a senior leader and saying, hey, there's a hole in this business and I can help you fix it, but we need to be able to talk about it. That is a behavior that needs to be rewarded and acknowledged. And then lastly, it's closing the loop. You know, I've seen organizations kind of do everything right and really extend the invitation and employees put their ideas out there and then the ideas kind of go into a black hole and right. that's frustrating yeah. and that's disempowering and people aren't going to keep doing it, right? So it's really circling back and saying, 
thank you for the idea. Here's what we did with it. Or here's what we didn't do with it, but here's why. And letting employees know that they've been heard and they've been acknowledged and they should keep it coming. So it's a little bit of a long-winded answer no. to your first question around what can leaders do. No, but I think there's just some great nuggets in what you said there. And I want to circle back and even kind of throw in the aviation thing in there because it's it, it struck uh, when you said about the um, – you're right. We, we're always – it's always about the outcome, and we're, we're, we celebrate that, and we recognize that. But it's those little behaviors, and I think we shouldn't take for granted how powerful, you know, when somebody does speak up and say it's, you know, the person hierarchically is is down uh, at the, at the lowest end of the totem pole. And I hate using those 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 terms, but you know, you get what I'm saying. If there's somebody who's who doesn't see themselves as the key stakeholder, and they do speak up, and if you as a leader recognize that. And even if they're wrong and maybe they didn't take it, but to sit there and say, oh my gosh, thank you for pointing that out. And I use that, and I can tell you how many times when I was a brand new um, co-pilot fly, flying for people, you know, and it's always stressful when you fly with someone you've never flown with and cruise and trying to, how do you meld in? <clears throat> and there's a tendency, you could like, okay, this person next to me has, you know, 10 hours of fl- or 10 years of flying experience and I have, you know, six months and the moment that you 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 point out something that he's about to miss a turn or miss a radio call or miss putting the gear down at the right point, something. And it can go one of two ways when you do that. You can get the embarrassed aircraft commander who tries to, hey, I know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Sit down and just sit on your hands and shut up. I'll tell you when to speak. I'm the captain, right? right. Or it's so empowering, especially when you're a brand new trying to fit in an organization, trying to fit in the cockpit. And you say, hey, sir, you're about to... Um, uh, you're missing the, you know, you're about to miss the turn and miss the call or whatever. And that aircraft commander turns on and says, oh my God, thank you for backing me up. I'm so glad. You know what I mean? And you thank them and everybody sees that. That's that behavior that you're talking about. And I can tell you as the receiving end, as someone that's brand new, you just feel like, oh my gosh, I'm part of this. I, I'm critical to this mission, right? He needs me or he, she needs me, right? Does that make sense? It absolutely does. And in that moment, you know, I would say, you know, for that person who's brand new, they're taking a risk. And the truth is, if they're sitting with a captain who has years and years of experience, that person may be wrong. Right. And what a great leader, you know, a great captain in that situation might do is say, you know what, actually, I, I'm not going to miss the turn, um, but I can see why you thought so. And let's walk through why you may have misinterpreted that signal so that when you're sitting here, you have that insight and really leveraging it as a learning moment and acknowledging the bravery that that person showed. Perfect. I love that you said that because you're absolutely right. That's the other part of the equation. It's like, hey, oh, you know, because I can think of a time when I was like, hey, so you ready for the gear? And he goes, oh, hey, thanks. I know this is where we'd normally do it. But this is my technique and this is what I'm doing. Are you okay with that? You know what I mean? It was that type of dialogue that happened. Even though I wasn't right, it started a dialogue and a conversation, you know, he and he kind of assumed that I would know, you know what I mean? But I'd never flown with him and he had a technique and this is why he wanted to do it and it made sense. And then he asked me too, are you okay with that? You know? Um, it just that's the type of communication that I think you're trying to you're saying that we should emulate in these organizations. I would say absolutely. But the other point I would add and what's really interesting is that so I do not know a lot about the aviation industry, but my my instinct is to say the way that one is successful as a pilot today is probably similar to how one was successful several years ago. Right. The the mechanics of flying a plane to the best of my knowledge haven't really changed that much. Right. 
Whereas you look at the corporate world and you look at these behemoth companies that have been doing it their way for years and years, and you look at the landscape and you look at the explosion of mobile and digital, all of a sudden, the real knowledge that some of these long-standing blue ribbon companies need actually lives at the bottom exactly. of their hierarchy, of their organization. Because Absolutely. how you fly a plane hasn't changed, but how you take a financial product or a credit card and how you market it digitally and how you connect with millennials, that has changed the game incredibly. And so for, for corporations, I think in a lot of ways, the imperative is different but in its own way, it's bigger. Yeah, I agree. That's a great point because you know the kind of the hierarchical top-down approach is is kind of been dead for a while. I mean, and if you're certainly trying to uh, again, and I people have heard me talk about this on the on the show too, from the Marine Corps perspective, you know, it's it's the thing I loved, or the big thing that I learned about the Marine Corps that I think applies to today's organizations is that it it's how do you effectively deal with an ever increasing chaotic situation. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times we put, spend a lot of time, energy and resources trying to quell the chaos. Now I've got to be careful about that because I'm not saying that we should be running around in, encouraging chaos, but I think it's the, it's the reality of the situations. Like, look, it's chaotic no matter what we're trying to do. So instead of trying to make everything as smooth as possible, I'm going to learn how to thrive with inside this chaotic environment. And to do that, to your point, is I got to get people to um, somehow create a culture that that asks for forgiveness instead of permission. And if that's the case, you got to have an organization that's very can- very candid in speaking. And so those people with eyes on opportunities on the front lines, as you're saying, have the willingness not only to s- s- speak up and say this is what's really going on, but also be empowered to make decisions without asking for your permission. Does that make sense? I couldn't agree more. And I, you know, I love that you're, you're talking about the chaos and our needing to be successful within it because that, that is very much the reality. You know, the, the name of my company is lead above noise. And Mm -hmm. the reason that I chose that name is exactly, you know, when I look at leaders today and organization there, there is so much that's going on. There's so much chaos. I call it noise. And at the end of the day, I think the leaders who are the most successful are the ones who recognize that the solution to chaos is not putting more stuff into the system, right? If leaders aren't satisfied with the results that they're getting from from their teams, the solution right away isn't, well, what's our action plan and what's our strategy and what's our training that we're going to put into the system? Real leadership is about taking a pause and taking a listen and really just acknowledging the reality of today. And it's sort of stepping above that noise for a moment and asking, asking questions and inviting insights and feedback around if we're not getting what we, what we want, where are our obstacles? Where are we falling down? Where are our gaps and opportunities? And rather than just putting more noise into the system, it's really assessing what is going to help us in this moment. And let's have that candid dialogue around it so that when we do put together some sort of action plan or strategy, it's really tailored to where we are and what we're trying to achieve. Yeah, I, I almost think that it's especially the higher it, it seems like the higher you are up in the organization, the C-level types would be so far better served if they they, they became maniacal about just kind of where are we taking this and why. And it, it drives me crazy that we it's, there seems to be a little too much inserting ourselves at the tactical level when I really think that the the primary focus of, of a top level leader in an organization 
is that this is where we're going. This is why we're going here. And this is how it can be. And let the other people figure out how to get there. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm sim- oversimplifying it, but I just think what to your point, people say, well, it's chaotic. Therefore, we got to have more of these detailed action plans. And I think that just inserts even more chaos in the organization, to be quite honest. It inserts more friction. Instead, you should be kind of having a more um, loose organization in the sense that as the leader, I'm going to be maniacally focused on communicating this is where I think we should go and why. And to do that, you got to have a candid organization at every level. I absolutely agree. And I think there's another side to that coin. So so what you're describing is why the business is struggling, right? Because, because there isn't that candor, there isn't that sense of empowerment, and therefore people aren't necessarily making smart decisions, and there's a need to really micromanage, which, which can lead to chaos. On the other side of that same coin is the actual employee experience. And I, you know, part of why I'm in the business that I'm in is that I found myself time and time again having conversations with people you know, I would say, how's work? And the answer is always some version of the same. And it's some version of, oh, you know, it's it's okay. I've, right. I've been there a while and it pays fine and, you know, gives me the life that I need. But, you know, and then there's, you know, insert, fill in the blank. But people in general, I would say often are not, they're not inspired and they're not, not empowered. Right. They're kind of going through the motions because the job is the paycheck. And people have this energy and this intention, people want to be contributing. They want to be influencing decisions and outcomes. And so as a result, you've got businesses that are struggling. You've got people that are struggling and the solution is one and the same, right? If you can unlock that candor and you can unlock that invitation for employees to contribute what they want to contribute and businesses to really take that and unlock it, you've got, you've got kind of magic coming out of that. Yeah. It's almost like if you can get to if the key stakeholders in the organization can feel like they're part of something bigger than themselves. I mean, that's really what I was meaning when I said, if you could focus maniacally on where we're going and why inside that why message is this is why this is important. This is what you can wrap your arms around. And I've had arguments with, with people in organizations like, well, look, we, we only pay them, you know, $27,000 a year. We're only going to get a certain type of individual, um, and I've seen CEOs and leaders resign to the fact that, look, because of this paycheck level, because of what we're doing, we're making plastic bird feeders. Well, I mean, how, how, what's so important about that, that they, they kind of resign to this, uh, acceptance of mediocrity when instead, if you could just say, look, yeah, we may be making plastic bird feeders, but there are 300 lives in the line here that are counting on us being the best, you know, bird feeder importer in the world, you know, and it, and it may sound cheesy, but if you can, as a leader, kind of get people to wrap their arms around what you're, you know, big, something bigger than themselves, they want it. Everybody wants to know that they've mattered. And I think that's to your point. I mean, especially when, what is the statistic? Like only 70% are disengaged, I mean, 70% are disengaged in the, in the workplace. That's a, that's a travesty. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, there's there's so much research out there. There are some amazing studies that have been done around, you know, looking at janitors in hospitals. And, yeah. and maybe you're oh familiar God, yeah. with it. Yes. But, you know, it, it just, it sends, you know, janitors generally are not 
certainly at the highest pay grade, but there is such a difference between the janitors that are clocking in and, and mopping and clocking out versus the ones that are coming to work believing that they are creating an environment of great hygiene because that is going to really contribute to the lives of the patients in the hospital. And it's, it's the same job and it's the same pay grade, but the janitors that have been led to believe they are really contributing to something. Um, it's inspiring the, the choices that they make. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like, and some people may say, oh, come on now. How would you going to inspire a janitor? But you're right. I mean, you got to look at the bigger picture of what we're trying to do. We, and we're trying to save lives here and, and everybody matters. I just think that that is to me is the key to getting people engaged, or at least the starting point of getting people engaged. And I think recognize to your point, it seems like you and I, I, I took out some nuggets here. The, it's about that recognition of those behaviors. Um, I call it recognition of the high performers, right? I mean, and, and that high performance isn't necessarily for the outcome. I, that's the key point that I'm I'm taking away from this is it's not just about the outcome. Oh, you met your sales objective. It's the consistent behaviors that emulates the brand or whatever we're trying to do consistently throughout the year. And I think we overthink that sometimes. I, I'm curious on your thoughts. I can tell you when I think back to those times of where I've where it's meant a lot, and I've got a lot of awards in the military and flying little tchotchkes and plaques and this and that, but it was always like the simple, the personal phone call or coming up to my desk or, or, or a personal handwritten note that left a lasting impact on me. What are your thoughts on that? Oh my gosh, I could not agree more. So back before I started my company, I used to work in corporate HR and I cannot tell you the number of times I would get calls from the leaders in my business saying, I'm having a real problem with talent attrition. We need to investigate compensation. And compensation <laughs> right. matters. Don't sure. get me wrong. And I'm not too pie in the sky to admit that. But it is one lever. And when leaders are struggling to retain top talent, it is so rarely the reason people are leaving. But it's easy, right? Oh, I'm, I'm not... I'm not having success, so we have to pay them more money. No, there are so many different and more creative and to your point, more meaningful ways of really recognizing somebody's bravery and performance and whatever that looks like. And it's a handwritten thank you note, or it's an opportunity to present at a meeting, or, you know, there are tons of ways we can do it that aren't financial. And I think you're exactly right. Well, I got to tell you, you know, I get a before we started recording, I, I get a lot of requests for people to come to my show, and I've I've gotten more selective over the um, last year or so. And I, you know, your stuff stuck out, and I knew this would be a great conversation, and it certainly did not disappoint. I, you definitely get it, Rachel. I mean, I I love what you're doing. I love um, how you're you're approaching this whole idea of authenticity and transparency, which I've said on this show time and time again, are the currencies that every, I mean, those are the primary currencies that you need to be an effective leader. And it seems to be the, one of the most lacking uh, that I've seen on, on organizations and individuals that I've coached is like, if you can get people on that authenticity and transparency train, things will start to change. And uh, you seem to be leading, um, leading the charge on that. And I appreciate what, what you're doing. How can people, get in touch with, with uh, you and your organization. Well, thank you so much for that, Richard. I really appreciate it. Um, my organization is called Lead Above Noise. You can find me at leadabovenoise.com. Um, and in fact, I think you and I talked about, I've put together a page just for your audience. So if folks want to go to leadabovenoise.com forward slash dose, 
uh, they will find a page just for them. And on that page, you will be able to find and download a guide that I have put together. Um, it's simple and it's clean and it's crisp. I think it's 12 pages in its final form, but it really helps to lay out some of what we talked about, sort of the business case for this need for super candor. But then there is effectively an action planner. So for any leader who feels like I'm in, I'm interested, I want to do this, what can I do? There's a really action-oriented couple of pages that can guide you through the process. And I would love for anybody to go ahead and download that. And if people have questions, they have experiences they want to share, people should reach out. You can find me everywhere at Lead Above Noise. Yeah, and I, I'm looking at the um, the download that you have right there. And again, it's, it's just chock full of, of great information. Again, it's even... Uh, it resonates. And if you're a listener of this show, I mean, it'll resonate with you because it's everything that I talk about on this show. Um, and it's kind of like a nice little, uh, it's not really a checklist. It's more than that, but it's a guiding, it's a guide of, of, of how we can start at least introducing some candor into our organization and why it's so important. So it's a, it's a very value added piece and I appreciate you offering that to my listeners. So thank you for that. Thank you. Well, guys, Rachel, I, again, I'm glad to have you inside the Dose of Leadership Circle. I look forward to um, staying in touch with you, maybe in collaborating with you in the future. I think you're on to um, um, everything that Dose of Leadership stands for and believes in. And, and it was such an honor to have you on the show. Oh, Richard, thank you so much. I love the work that you're doing, and I'm so honored to be a guest here. Thank you. Hey, thanks so much for tuning into the show. Hope you're finding some great value in Dose of Leadership. Hey, go check out my website, doseofleadership.com. Get your free access to some videos or to my free ebook. Also, check out richardryerson.com if you're interested in one-on-one -on -one coaching, group coaching, seminars, or you're needing somebody to speak at your next event. I'm always available. Check out more at richardryerson.com. Let me know where you're at in your leadership journey. I'd love to hear from you. Richard at doseofleadership.com. It's a great way to get in touch with me. Find me on my Facebook page, LinkedIn, Twitter. Get in touch with me. We'll make it a great one.